Yesterday, we took a look at the possible Democrat presidential candidates for 2020, and that helped take our minds off our failing relationships, our shoddy work practices, and our neglected religious devotions. So today, let's distract ourselves once again with the sort of meaningless political prognostications without which cable news would just be cable lying on a floor amidst cigarette butts, broken dreams, and puddles of beer. Let's ask ourselves which Republicans might challenge Donald Trump in the primaries. Perhaps the main GOP stalwart who might hurl himself into dubious battle with the president is former Ohio Governor John Kasich, Kasich, who is still convinced he narrowly missed winning the 2016 nomination by a mere 1,400 out of 1,500 delegates, now has what he feels is a surefire strategy in which he plans to make a continual high-pitched whining noise while CNN anchors praise him for his integrity. Next, he'll hold Ohio hostage until Trump hands over $10 million in small unmarked bills, and after that, he'll sink back into complete irrelevance while CNN anchors praise him for his integrity and then forget all about him. Another Republican challenger is Arizona's Jeff Flake, who is said to be contemplating a White House run in order to discover just how few votes one candidate can get. Experts believe Flake could actually end up with fewer than zero votes if enough people write in negative Jeff Flake. Flake's campaign strategy is to repeatedly punch Donald Trump in the fist with his face until Trump is so weakened Flake can finally kick him in the tip of his shoe with his ass and then go flying out, <laughs> go flying out the door into eternal obscurity. Then, of course, there's Mitt Romney, who feels if he plays his cards exactly right, he might not. He might just be able to lose more bids for the presidency in a more humiliating fashion than Hillary Clinton. It's an ambitious goal, but every man needs a dream. And finally, there's the one candidate who could conceivably cost Donald Trump the nomination. Donald Trump. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is zippity-zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray, oh, hooray, hurrah. Are you not entertained? <laughs> One of these days I'm going to get through an open without cracking myself up. But until that time, at least I'm having a good time. All right, we've got the uh, mad Hungarian Sebastian Gorka is with us. And the mailbag is tomorrow. You know the drill. If you want to be in the mailbag, you've got to subscribe. So go to dailywire.com and subscribe. This is Giving Tuesday. Now, a lot of people, you know, want you to give your money to the poor. But will the poor... <laughs> Sent you a leftist tears tumbler? No, that's because they're poor. I'm joking. Please send your money to the poor. But if you have any leftover, subscribe to dailywire.com. It's 10 lousy bucks a month, 100 lousy bucks for the entire year. That's when you get the wonderful leftist tears tumbler. And you can be in the mailbag. Just go to dailywire.com, press the podcast button, press the Andrew Claven podcast, press the little mailbag symbol, and then you can write your questions, anything you want to ask me about, your personal life, your religious uh, doubts and fears, your political musings, anything. And my answers, guaranteed, 100% correct and will change your life sometimes for the better. Another thing that will change your life for the better is the Lefty's Dictionary, which is now on sale at Amazon, and the price is still low. So go on there and pick up a copy. Great Christmas gift, especially for some leftists that you really want to annoy. And finally, Another Kingdom is available if you're a subscriber. Another good reason to keep from giving your money to the poor and give it to us instead. 
the the oh and the holidays are coming the holidays are coming and that means you know you are going to be mailing stuff to folks and you are going to need the post office where you want the post office to be you want it to be in your computer because you just don't have time to drive to the place itself especially if you live in LA where nothing is closer than 30 minutes away i love stamps.com i do it's it's got everything it's got uh, all the stuff you could get at the post office but it's in your computer where it belongs where everything should be at this point. Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, you can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail using your own computer and printer. Then the mail carrier picks it up. No trips to the post office required. It could not be easier. Plus, it's fun. With Stamps.com, you just put the envelope into the printer. It comes out with a bona fide stamp on it. It's just amazing. Right now, you too can enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Claven. That's Stamps.com, and enter Claven and send off that mail saying, how do you spell Claven? It is K-L-A-V-A-N. I don't get to use Claven when I use Stamps.com, but I, I use it because it so, it's just so easy. It just works. So we're going to talk about the border today, but first I want to just make a, a broader point about something that has really, it's really been on my mind since the midterms, I think. You know, today in the, in the federal, this is a long way around to get to the point, but still, uh, in the Federalist, which I really like, there's an article by a Catholic writer named Matthew Petrusik where he says it's unfair to use the sex scandal in the Catholic Church to attack Catholic doctrine. The only important part about Catholic doctrine is whether or not it's true. It doesn't really matter if the people who are uh, taxed with spreading that doctrine are raping children right and left and then hiding it away and taking no responsibility for it. And of course, technically, that's absolutely right. Technically, what matters is values and ideas. Those are the things that matter. But in real life, the double sin of the Catholic Church is not just that they're raping and doing the wrong thing that way. It is that they are soiling the word of God as it lives on earth. They are supposed to be the body of Christ, or at least part of the body of Christ. Values, ideas, are like mathematics. They are there. They actually exist, but they're not real until they are instantiated. A big word just meaning made real until they have an actual thing that uh, that. Um, makes them alive and concrete in the real world, right? So two plus two equals four, that's true, but it has no reality until you have two pennies and two pennies and they make four pennies. Likewise, integrity is an, a great idea and it is a real thing, but the person who has it has to actually have it. If he is a hypocrite, that doesn't destroy the goodness of integrity. It destroys him as a messenger, as the instantiation of integrity. This is good Aristotelian philosophy. This is Aristotle's idea of forms. Plato said forms exist in the mind of God, and Aristotle said forms are real, but they don't exist until they are here in the world and take some kind of shape. So this, I bring this up because Donald Trump yesterday or the day before when the people charged the border was proven entirely correct about the border. Everything that he said during the uh, run up to the midterms was absolutely true. And yet, and yet people were turned off by it in the suburbs where they are very much in favor of border security, but they felt that there was a racist undertone to what Trump was saying. And even somebody who uh, supported him, uh, you know, said basically it sounded as if he felt, uh, Selena Zito, the woman who wrote The Great Revolt, 
She said it sounded when he was talking about the border, it sounded as if he felt his audience was racist. Not that he was racist, but that he was playing to people as if they were racist. So let's just look, first of all, at how right, how incredibly right Donald Trump was. Somebody took Jim, look at me, I'm Jim Acosta, and spliced in the border invasion while he was asking his famous question, which was not a question, it was just berating Donald Trump, the president of the United States, with the fact that Trump did not share the sacred op opinion of Jim, look at me, I'm Jim Acosta. Let's just go back to this memory here. As you know, I, Mr. President, I consider it to be an invasion. As you know, Mr. President, the caravan was not an invasion. It's a, it's a, a group of migrants moving up from Central America towards the border with the U.S. Thank you for telling and me that. I appreciate it. Why, why did you why did you characterize it as such? Uh, because I consider it an invasion. You and I have a difference of opinion. But do you, your campaign had an ad showing migrants climbing over walls and well, so on. Well, that's true. It poured, it, but they it, weren't actors. They're not going to be doing they that. They weren't actors. Well, no, it's true. Do you think they were actors? They weren't actors. They didn't come from Hollywood. Right. These were these were people. This was an actual. You know, it happened a few days ago, and... Uh, They're hundreds of miles away, though. They're hundreds and hundreds of miles you know away. That, that's I not an invasion. Who could ever have guessed? How could Jim look at me, I'm Jim Acosta, have ever guessed that people hundreds of miles away moving in our direction would eventually reach our border? I mean, hundreds of miles away, that's like an eternity. They would just keep walking for, <laughs> forever. I mean, it was, it was stupid on its face. Trump was entirely, entirely in the right, and then... The people charged the border. You can't just let them come in. And so the, and they were throwing things at our border agents, as Trump said they would. Trump said, look, they did it in Mexico. What makes you think they're not going to do it here? Those pictures that Jim, look at me, I'm Jim Acosta, were uh, th that he was referring to. Those pictures were pictures of them storming fences in Mexico. So Trump was absolutely right to say they were going to do that here as well. Why not? Why wouldn't they do the exact same thing? Totally in the right. And of course, now the network's play the g gassing. Oh, it's the gassing of children. Oh, my. Oh, the stuff on Twitter yesterday was unbelievable. This inhuman beast. This in he is gassing children. He is gassing children. Here's the way the networks played it. The images of the tear gas used at the U.S.-Mexico border seen across the country and the world. Thousands of migrants from that caravan have now arrived in Tijuana, some of them breaking through Mexican security, U.S. Border Patrol, then firing tear gas at them. This mother and her children among those caught in the chaos. Tonight, President Trump was asked about the tear gas. We met 16-year-old Henry covered in those bandages. Now, one of the things that he says is that he's not going to stop. He wants to still get into the United States, and he's not going to quit now just because he was wounded. The clash has forced authorities to close the San Ysidro port of entry, one of the busiest on the planet, for nearly seven hours. Thousands of people, most there legally, stranded at the border. Officers are trying to keep the peace after hundreds of people rushed the U.S.-Mexico border yesterday. What started as a peaceful march turned into chaos. U.S. authorities fired tear gas at mostly adult males, but some of it hit women and children, including Maria Mesa. Her escape captured in this dramatic photo. We caught up with her today. When I see that photo, I just want to cry, she says, claiming that she wasn't crossing the border illegally, but trying to reach it to apply for asylum. So I told you that photo, right? I, it's going to win the Pulitzer. I told you it was a big, big deal. That picture, it reminded me of the napalm girl. I, I don't know if you remember or have seen the picture in 1963 in Vietnam. The South Vietnamese who were our allies 
uh, accidentally uh, mistook a, a village for an, uh, a force of uh, Viet Cong and they napalmed them and this little girl came running naked out of the village screaming and that became an iconic picture. Uh, Richard Nixon at one point wondered, oh, was it Pose? I mean, people have been wondering about this picture. Was it Pose? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, as, as uh, Boss Tweed once said about the cartoons that brought helped bring down his administration, people don't read, but they can look at the pictures. And that's what they're depending on here. And of course, you know, not only not only are well, let, let's start with the tear gas. Let's start with this. The Washington Times has reported that the same tear gas agent that the Trump administration is taking heat for deploying against a border mob this weekend is actually used fairly frequently, including more than once a month during the later years of President Obama's administration, according to Homeland Security data. U.S. Customs and Border Protection has used what's called CS since 2010 and deployed it 26 times in fiscal 2012 and 2017 times in 2013. The use dropped after that, but was still deployed three times in 2016, Mr. Obama's final full year in office. Use of CS rose again in fiscal 2017, which was split between Obama and Trump. So it's something they do so they don't have to kill people. They don't have to shoot them. They drive them back with the with the gas. And, you know, it it's of course, of course, it is absolutely infuriating to have Trump crucified for something that just was not met, was invisible during Obama's administration, just didn't happen. The other thing, of course, is this idea about the women and children. And this is, you know, obviously uh, what they are using, what these uh, immigrants are using to make them seem more uh appealing, more sympathetic, you know, oh my God, they're gassing women and children. It is also interesting to me that the um, the purveyors of radical feminism, our media, our left wing, suddenly takes recourse in the fact that women and children are, of course, the more vulnerable uh, groups and we do feel more for them. But let, let's take a look at a hilarious moment uh, on MSNBC when Gaddy Schwartz is out there and they say, it's, it's, it, it, Donald Trump is wrong. There's so many women and children out there. And Gaddy Schwartz is forced into the position of being a reporter and telling the truth. And by the way, this is something that's happening a lot in our news media. Reporters want to tell the truth. On the street, reporters often want to tell the truth. They are being forced not to tell the truth by the middle managers. This is what happened to Cheryl Atkinson. This is why she left CBS when they wouldn't let her report on Fast and Furious and other Obama scandals because it was important that the Obama administration be scandal-free. Remember, Obama must be scandal-free. Reporters often want to tell the truth. So here's a beautiful moment of left-wing MSNBC getting wrong-footed by a reporter's actual journalistic instincts. Some people look at these images and they listen to the president who says it's not women and children, it's stone cold criminals. So my first question is, you're in that tent camp. Besides that family, give us the profile of who is there mostly and what are they looking for? Because it seems as though, to your point, they don't actually have the necessary information so they know how to cross the border. There could have people there could be people yesterday who were running because they thought it was their only chance. 
Right. And it's very difficult because this has become such a polarizing issue. If we kind of take a walk, you'll, you'll be able to see for yourself. Again, this is the inner sanctum of the shelter. Uh, so uh, you're, you're going to see a lot of families here, a lot of uh, women and children. Uh, but the, the truth is the majority of the people that are part of this caravan, especially outside, if we can make our way all the way over there, uh, we'll show you the majority of them are men. So uh, when this becomes a polarized political issue in the United States, you have people on one side uh, that point and say, there are women and children here, and that is true. And then there are others who point and say uh, these are, are men that, that are trying to cross the border, and that's true, too. Um, from what we've seen, the majority are actually men, uh, and some of these men have not articulated that need for asylum. Instead, uh, they have talked about, you know, going to the United States for a better life and to find work. <laughs> and remember, this is the other thing about the asylum law, right? The asylum law is you have to go for asylum to the first country, uh, available country that you reach. So a lot of these people were have turned down asylum in Mexico and already are not available. That means asylum here is not available to them. They're taking advantage of the law. The way they take advantage of the law is if they can get in, even break in illegally, if they then say, oh yes, but I'm here for asylum, they have to get a hearing. If they get a hearing, they have to be put uh, you know, they have to be confined or else they'll disappear into the country. So they have to be confined. If they're confined with children after a while, the children have to be taken away from them. And that gives the left the chance to moan and cry about, oh, the children being pulled out of the loving hands of their parents who brought them into this place in the first place. It has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with Donald Trump. It was happening under Obama. It is Donald Trump obeying the law as he must. And it's just, it is, it is infuriating. It is infuriating to watch the press, this dishonest press, try to pin something on Trump that is not, the only thing he's done here is tell the truth, except for one thing, which I'll get to, I'll get back to in a minute. But I just have to play just a couple of more pieces of, I've got a fly in our studio. Uh, maybe he's running something. I, I shouldn't kill him. We'll lose the sound. But uh, <laughs> the... Um, I have to play just two more clips of the press to show you some of the stuff that is actually going on in the reportage of this event. Uh, this this absolute catastrophe for the press, the fact that everything Donald Trump said was right, everything they said was wrong. First, I got to play Alison Camerata, who just goes full idiot on this. She just decides. She just decides. This is what this needs is classic CNN analysis. This is CNN analysis kind of ramped up. It's the full, never go full CNN analysis because you'll be talking nonsense. And here is Alison Camerata talking absolute nonsense. As unfortunate as this incident is, uh, I'm not sure that it proves that we need a border wall. In fact, it's the opposite. The border worked. Border security here worked. So however many people rushed the border, 39 were arrested. They are going to be deported. No one breached the border. So shutting down the border worked, and it also proves that we don't need a, a I think, a border wall because the migrants made an act that went out of their way to go to the Tijuana entrance because the rest of the border was considered too hazardous, too dangerous to cross. So they went an extra hundreds of miles to the port of entry of Tijuana because they considered that the easiest. So in other words, the system is actually working. 
<laughs> so, so never go full CNN, Allison. <laughs> the thing, so the idea here is Trump is a monster for gassing women and children, but it worked so we don't need the wall. It's, that's basically the logic here. That is full CNN. Never do that. Never do it. And But the wonderful thing, and this is, again, MSNBC. I mean, I, I never play MSNBC because I I'm, there's no reason to make fun of a left-wing station for being left-wing. But this is kind of amazing. It's Chris Matthews, like the little light bulb is going on. We played yesterday John Kerry and Hillary Clinton, who both finally understand that when you let people in, it gives credence to actual bigots. It gives credence to the to the hateful people who say, you know, don't want Mexicans in. I mean, I this this to me has nothing to do with Mexicans. It only has to do with the rule of law. The rule of law is so important. It is what makes America America. It's what makes people equal when you you are equal under the law. If the law is just what people want it to be, if it's just feels and what we feel is right and good, then it's going to be different for each person and we're no longer equal under the law. That is why the rule of law matters. This is a this border situation is a major, major failing of Congress. They do not want to do anything about it because they want the workers, they want the voters, and they want to make it into an issue come election day. That's why they don't do anything. That's why they don't move off the dime. It's their fault this is happening, not Trump's. But even the left is starting to catch on that this is not a good look for them. I mean, play play Chris Matthews, number four. There's a lot of poverty in the south of our sure. border, all the way down to Tierra del Fuego. There's two-thirds of a billion people living down there. A lot of them are poor, yes. desperately poor, all right. and living in countries where there's no freedom at all and danger. So how do we regulate, regulate honestly, in an American way, acceptance of asylum seekers? How do we develop... A, a profound, comprehensive immigration policy that we are proud of as Americans to enforce. Because at some point, there's going to have to be enforcement. At some point, there's going to have to be enforcement. And by the way, let's just play that, that, quick, uh, that quick montage of all the Democrats. All the Democrats once knew this. This was before uh, leftism and its nonsense and its lies and its distortions became all the rage in, among the Democrat Party. Our immigration system is broken. Illegal immigration is wrong, plain and simple. All Americans, not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country, are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The people who should be here are those who come legally. We have to send a clear message. Just because your child gets across the border, that doesn't mean the child gets to stay. All right, so they, they all knew it. So let, let me return to my original point. Trump, Trump made a mistake, it seems to me, during the uh, midterms when he made this into the kind of issue he made it into, when he ginned it up into a fear issue, into a criminal issue, uh, and, into it, and, and spoke about it in a way that struck voters who might have been more sympathetic to him as, as being racist. I mean, this is a, an analysis that I think has some validity to it, that Donald Trump, look, he's a, he's a blunderbuss. He, he's the bull in the china shop. The wonderful thing about the bull in the china shop is there is a lot of glass in this uh, society right now, and especially in this culture, a lot of glass that needs breaking. And putting the bull in the china shop, good idea. You know, a lot of stuff needed breaking, but not everything, not everything. And we don't want this. This is not a racial issue. This is not about uh, the fact that these people are from Mexico. I, really, I, I don't even believe that there's a, a large contingent of people who feel that way. It's about the rule of law. It is about our right to make the laws about who comes in. Trump, you know, he, I've said this a million times, I know, but it's worth saying he is a flawed vessel. I mean, this thing, the, the Mueller investigation is really interesting right now. Today, there was a very, very interesting development 
where uh, basically Mueller went to the courts and said that Paul Manafort, who had made a plea deal that he was going to tell everything he knew in order to get a better sentence, that he was lying to the FBI and to Mueller's office so they don't want to give him the lesser sentence. They want, they want to go back and have him sentenced. And Manafort says, no, he has told the truth as he knows it. And, you know, it, it's an interesting situation. The, the Guardian, the left-wing British paper, ran a story saying that Manafort may have met with Julian Assange, the WikiLeaks guy, who printed a lot of emails that the Russians had cadged from Hillary Clinton. So that would, it, and he did it uh, just before he joined the campaign. So that would be like a, a good thing for Mueller, for, Mueller the people who wanna, for the people who want to get Trump on some kind of Russian collusion. But uh, Assange says this is he will bet a million dollars with The Guardian. He says everything that has happened to Assange has been recorded because he's stuck in that embassy in Ecuador. So everything has been recorded. Nobody came. The story is completely untrue. And he just dissed the story. But it, it really is interesting what is happening in the Mueller investigation. There's something like over 50 closed indictments. He obviously has a lot of information, if he can say, if he can actually go to a court and say that Manafort is lying, he must have other means of finding stuff out. We don't even know at this point because he went back to the Justice Department and Rod Rosenstein gave him a new brief, a new brief to follow. We don't even know what Mueller is investigating. Trump is still hammering him. He put out this, <laughs> this tweet, the phony witch hunt continues, but Mueller and his gang of angry Dems are only looking at one side, not the other. Wait until it comes out how horribly and viciously they are treating people, ruining lives for them, refusing to lie. Mueller is a conflicted prosecutor, gone rogue. The face news, fake news media builds Bob Mueller up as a saint when in actuality he is the exact opposite. He is doing tremendous damage to our criminal justice system where he is only looking at one side and not the other. And we don't know. You know, we, for instance, Manafort may be playing for a pardon. He may be saying, oh, I can, if, I, if I'm a stand-up guy, I'll get a pardon. We don't know. The one thing we do know is all the stuff that Trump is supposed to have done, fire Mueller, pardon Manafort, all this, you know, hide this, hide that, hasn't been done. I mean, they keep saying he's going to do it. They keep predicting he's going to do it. But so far, Trump has sat on his hands and let the investigation take place while he sat on one hand with the other. He is tweeting all this stuff about, um, <laughs> about Mueller. But I want to just play, before we get to uh, Sebastian Gorka, I just want to play this one cut of Alan Dershowitz, who has been, he is a liberal, he was on the show, he says he's a stone liberal, but he has been Trump's supporter in the sense that he has felt that he has been hounded unfairly by both the press and the legal establishment, that the ACLU has covered itself in shame, and so he has not, he's been fair, pardon me, he's been a fair voice uh, so far, and this is what he says about the Mueller investigation. I think the report is going to be devastating to the president. And I know that the president's team is already working on a response to the report. And so at some point, when the report's made public, and that's a very hard question considering the new attorney general who has the authority to decide when and under what circumstance to make it public, it will be made public probably with a response alongside. The president will say, ah, look, it's political. There's their account and there's our account. And then the American public will have to judge for the you credibility. To say is so, you know, that's, that's Dershowitz, a guy who's been utterly fair about this, saying that this is going to be a devastating report. And I'm pointing out, by the way, that this whole fight about Whitaker at uh, Justice is about whether or not this report is going to be released. Of course, Adam Schiff, the McCarthyite uh, congressman, is uh, is going to try everything he do to get it released if it's if it's da as damning as he's predicted it has been. It's going to be a fascinating thing because we have got 
A guy, Donald Trump, has stood up for a lot of values of which I approve. He has done a terrific job. He's been right about judges. He's been right about business, about regulation. He's been right about Israel. He's been right about how to fight ISIS. He's been right about so many things that the left has gotten tangled in their own political correctness and stupidity. But there's no question that he's a great big character with great big character flaws and that those flaws may ruin even the truth that he speaks. And so we're going to have to we're going to have to instantiate the values that we believe in, even if he if he gets uh, himself in trouble. And we'll find out we have one of his biggest supporters here, Sebastian Gorka, and one of his most eloquent supporters. And I want to ask him about some of this. And I will in just a minute. But first, we have to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. You can continue listening on DailyWire.com or on YouTube. But if you want to watch the whole show streaming live on the site itself, you got to subscribe. Dailywire.com. Subscribe for a lousy 10 bucks a month, a lousy 100 bucks for the year. You get the Leftist Tears Tumblr. You get Another Kingdom on Mondays when it's released. You get the full visuals of Another Kingdom. You get Knowles. You get Shapiro. You get so much. Why give your money to the poor? <laughs> Stop me. From, don't laugh at these jokes, folks, because they just encourage me. Don't, don't give your money to the poor, but whatever you have left, give it to us because we want it. All right, we got Sebastian Gorka coming up. Well, I hardly have to introduce Dr. Sebastian Gorga. He's a military and intelligence analyst, Fox News strategist, former deputy assistant to the president, and also the author of the book, Why We Fight. And he has now got his own show, which I, I'm sorry to hear. We're sorry I, you, you won't come here anymore. He's got a new show called America First, which is uh, uh, starting on January 1st. Where is, where is that? That's with the Salem Media Group, so it's with uh, our good buddies, Dennis Prager and uh, everybody else. Oh, congratulations, man. That's great. You, d you deserve it. That's Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. So, are you, are you growing a beard? I am. You are, I, I approve. Just, I, I approve. I, do you? Do you like I it? I approve. I just thought I just yeah. want to look more like Gorka. That's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, well, thank you. I appreciate it. I, I think I, I'm hoping by Christmas uh, I'll be able to come down someone's chimney without getting shot. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm really happy you're here. Aside from the fact that I like seeing you, I'm, I'm happy you're here because you're such an eloquent defender of Donald Trump. And this is a good day for Trump in a lot of ways. I mean, not a good day to have people. Can, can, can I just say something yes. before you get onto the serious yes. stuff? I tell everybody who will listen that you are one of my favorite podcasts. But what you did with Knowles, that behind the scenes of another kingdom, that was the best ever. That oh. insight into Hollywood, into the insanity, into the whole male female thing. If you guys have not listened to the extra, shame on you. Listen to it now. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. It was actually an entertaining uh, talk. I enjoyed doing it. It's, uh, I appreciate it. So it's, I mean, Donald Trump has been proved utterly right. Now, Jim uh, Acosta looks like a complete, the, he looks like the buffoon he is. And, you mean Abilio? Abilio Acosta. <laughs> yes, yes. Look at me. I'm Jim Acosta. He, and, and Trump has been, been proved totally right. Did he make a mistake? Did Trump make a mistake in selling the border crisis, the caravan crisis, as hard as he did. This, I was quoting Selena Zito, who says he alienated some suburban voters who support border security, but felt that he was being racist, uh, that he was selling a racist message. Now, I, I ask you this because I know you, you support him. Did, do you feel he may have made an error there? Well, I, I can't give you any kind of empirical data that would give you an answer either way. But when you look at the footage of asylum seekers 
throwing rocks <laughs> and bottles at the CBP. And let, you know, the CBP sounds like another government acronym, but the Customs and Border Patrol are simply the federal police officers who guard the front door of America. My parents were refugees from a communist dictatorship. The idea that they'd throw rocks at the nation, at the offices of the nation that are protecting that nation's citizens, I, I think there is nothing he could do to oversell the threat. Mm. These people are these people are punks. Anybody who, who comes to America or wants to come to America waving the flag of Honduras and then assaults our officers, it's not a refugee, it's not an asylum seeker, it's a criminal. Do you think there is any chance, I mean, now we've started to hear Hillary Clinton, uh, John Kerry talk about the mistake yeah. that Angela Merkel, because because it's bringing Merkel down. She's basically out right. because of this. We talk, we we saw uh, Chris uh, Matthews on MSNBC saying there's got to be enforcement at some point. Is there any chance, any chance that this new Democrat Congress is going to come in and say, OK, we will trade you some border wall funding for DACA? First things first, you have to ask the question, why? Why does Hillary, why does the German Hillary, why does Merkel suddenly do a 180? What, what, this, isn't, this isn't about suddenly the scales have fallen from their eyes. It's what it's always about, Drew. You know it as well as anybody. It's about power. They realize, they realize that this isn't working. They realize that the open border mantra that 7 billion people should be allowed into America isn't working, so they want to maintain power. So what do they do? They, they tack, they, they get into their boat, they, they, they shift the sails to the right direction to catch the wind. They couldn't care less on the issues. It's about staying in power. So no, I, I don't think there's any chance, any chance that there will be a reasonable, reasonable house with people like Maxine Waters and Adam Schiff running committees. The next two years is literally going to be the lunatics running the asylum that is the House of Representatives, which means in 2020, it's going to be a cakewalk for the president back into the White House. You think so? You think this is... Yes. He, he, all right. Uh, well, well, I'm going to hold you to that. We're going to remember that uh, prediction. But Please. now Maxine Waters, I mean, she she had some crazy thing where she was saying the entire caravan was a, a conspiracy that Trump invented. So, you, you know, you're obviously right about what's going to happen next. I mean, Adam Schiff is such a he's such a McCarthyite. Uh, he's going to be yep. investigating Trump's shoe size by the time he's finished. <laughs> Do you see in this Mueller investigation? I heard yesterday there was something like 52, I believe, was the number closed indictments. I mean, and, and Dershowitz saying this is going to be a disaster for the president. Do you think this is a disaster looming? No, because I know that there was no Russian collusion. I was in the Oval with the president. Uh, it was May of 17. It was just the two of us. And I think Jared had just testified or just given his press conference. And the, I was in there for another issue. And the president just looked at me suddenly, broke the conversation. And he said, they will find nothing because there is nothing. So the fact that, the fact that we've had, what, what are the indictments to date? Really? Papadopoulos gets what? Two weeks, yeah, two weeks because yeah. he, he misspoke in front of a federal agent. We have Manafort, who's getting indicted, charged, and prosecuted for wire fraud 12 years ago with a contract that had to do with the Ukraine. 
this is this is absurd. Robert Mueller is out of control. So, you know, the question is, how long will he go on wasting our taxpayer money? Because to date, Drew, it's thirty five million dollars that he spent. Thirty five no. million dollars. It's 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 a travesty. Do you think that there's any, uh, for instance, we, we don't know uh, what Rosenstein has allowed him to do at this point. We don't know right. how he's changed his brief. They've kept this under wraps. Do you think there's any chance he's going back into some uh, arcane business deal that Trump made or some kind of, uh, you know, something that he can use to say he violated the emoluments clause or something like that? Do we know? Do you have any sense of how far this has gone and how far abroad he's he's seeking? With with the latest um, alleged report from The Guardian in the UK, which when I was in the White House, literally manufactured a whole story out of whole cloth with regards to me wanting to become the special representative, the special envoy to Libya. I mean, you put a loaded 1911 to my head, I wouldn't want that job. So, so, so the Guardian has a reputation for fake news. But the Guardian's reporting that Manafort met with WikiLeaks three times. And what did, what did WikiLeaks respond? We give you a million, a million dollars if you can prove that we met because it never happened. So either The Guardian is making this up again, totally, or Robert Mueller is so desperate that he's trying to squeeze Manafort to actually manufacture damaging evidence against himself and the president as part of his plea deal. So Drew, to answer your question, he could, he could, because we don't know that the mandate, this is the danger. I don't like special counsels. I hate special prosecutors. I don't care if Bill Clinton's the president. I, I don't care if yeah. Republicans are president. Because this is like a, a massive intercontinental ballistic missile without a targeting system. You just launch it and off it goes. And, and sooner or later, they start doing stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with the original mandate. So if Robert Mueller... Uh, continues to do what he's done so far. Clearly, yes, I think he might be investigating whether you know Donald Trump gave somebody a noogie in high school. <laughs> One of the other amusing things to watch on cable news is people speculating about what Donald Trump is going to do. They left, the Democrats have gotten themselves so worked up about Whitaker in the Justice Department uh, basically firing Mueller. And there's been no, I mean, Trump has literally done nothing to stop this investigation. He's, he's uh, actually Trump, Trump the dictator, right? Yeah. I, Trump, well, I, Trump the totalitarian well, dictator. It is, it is he wonderful. hasn't locked up any journalists, and, and, like Obama. It's, it's also he funny how, <laughs> how the people escaped from his prisons to vote his party out of office in the House. I mean, it was a, right. an amazing right. feat. Uh, but. But do you think that there's any chance that Trump, I mean, he's so, he's, he is running Mueller down incredibly on Twitter. Is there any chance in your mind that he says, I'm going to pardon Manafort, I'm going to fire Mueller, I'm going to do any of the things that the Democrats keep saying he's going to do? I don't want to give away the best of my my old boss's secrets. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if, if you watch him closely, and I know you watch him closely, yeah. um, Watch what he does, what he signals, and then what he does afterwards, because they're not the same. Uh, <laughs> this is this is uh, Steve Bannon calls it the 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 noise and the signal, right? You have you have to separate between the noise and the actual signal. Okay, and he he has this very 
uncanny capacity to say things that press exactly the right buttons in his adversaries, to elicit the response that makes them dial things to 11, right, and to overstep their mark, when he has no intent to actually do the things mm. he's signaling, but to just bring them out of the closet for their, and, you know, to display their insanity. So um, I, I don't want to give you any more clues about, you know, I've got, I'm working on my third book, which is called why Trump always wins. Okay, so um, no, this is not a joke. I've got I've got four weeks left to finish it, so I'm working on it right now. But you know, if, if you want to really understand the man, it, look, who said it? Was it Selena? I think it was Selena who said it originally. Uh, spot on analysis. Those who don't understand Donald Trump, which is the majority of the media. Um, they take him literally, but to don't take him seriously. Right, right. And people like me who supported him were on the MAGA train, voted for him. We don't take everything what he, that he says literally, but we take the man very seriously. That's the key to understanding Donald Trump. Well, you, I have to say you are always one of his most eloquent uh, defenders as always. It's always great to see you. The new show is America First. Uh, it starts January 1st on the Salem Network. Again, you deserve it, and uh, I can't wait to hear it. Uh, congratulations. Thank you, Drew. Thank you, Drew. God bless. It's good to see you. All right. Uh, sexual follies. So yesterday we were talking about analyzing this whole transgender craziness, and I didn't get a chance to bring in this New York Times piece by Andrea Long Chu with the wonderful title, My New Vagina Won't Make Me Happy. I've never, that's never, I've never had that experience. <laughs> Vagina always makes me thrilled. But, <laughs> you know, the show has gotten out of control, you guys. You need to come in here with a net and carry me out of here. But there's this uh, guy, I guess, who is about to become a girl uh, or about to be operated into a girl, a flesh-made girl costume. Uh, and he, he, she is saying, uh, I was not suicidal before I started to take the hormones, but now I am. Uh, and I won't go through with killing myself because killing is icky. But, uh, he, you know, he talks about the fact that the hormones make him cry and uh, make him, you know, more uh, emotional and all this stuff. And he says, I still want this, all of it. I want the tears. I want the pain. Transition doesn't have to make me happy for me to want it. Left to their own devices, people will rarely pursue what makes them feel good in the long term. Desire and happiness are independent agents. So this person is self-destructive and crazy and is telling us that uh, he's self-destructive and crazy. Desire and happiness are independent agents. We want things that make us unhappy. Well, that, of course, is true. We call that original sin. It is absolutely true. But it's not a reason. I mean, he, he says that the doctor shouldn't have the ch choice of whether to do something for you according to whether it makes you happy. If you want to do something that makes you miserable, the doctor should have to do it. But that's that's insane. I mean, that is insane. And it's amazing to me that they're running pieces like this that actually, you know, they use this kind of pseudo-intellectual language, desire and happiness or independent agents. Uh, you know, that that's just to say you desire things you shouldn't desire. You want things you shouldn't want. We all know that to be the case. We all know what human beings are. But that is a very good argument for not allowing these operations to take place, for not doing these things. I mean, if somebody came to a doctor and said to him, you know, I want you to cut off my leg 
because I, I like being an amputee, the doctor has a responsibility not to do that. And it's not what you want is necessarily not the guide to everything. You know, I, this is really an interesting situation. You know, I, I want to recommend a story to you. There's a, a story going on that was reported on our site. Uh, a Texas father is fighting for his son in court after his pushing back on his ex-wife's claim that their six-year-old is a transgender girl. The wife, the ex-wife is dressing the kid up as a girl, but the father says when he comes to his house, he offers him whatever choice uh, of clothes he wants, and the kid always takes the boy, boy's clothes. Read a short story. This is a, an old short story writer named Charles Beaumont. And Charles Beaumont, if you ever watch uh, the old Twilight Zone episodes, he wrote a bunch of those. Um, he wrote... Um, Printer's Devil, Number 12, Looks Just Like You, a bunch of very famous ones. He wrote some movies, but he was basically a great short story writer. Um, Dean Koontz was very inspired by Charles Beaumont. He, writes a, he wrote a story, I believe the way to pronounce this is Miss Gentibel. And Miss Gentibel is about a woman who dresses her son up uh, as a girl because she hates men so much. She says men aren't human beings, and if you want a human being, you have to be a girl. And it's a horror story, and uh, really everybody who uh, talks about this stuff should definitely read this story. It is worth reading, and it is a very, very frightening and horrific picture of the kind of sexual dysfunction that goes into some of this stuff and should be reported and treated in that way. Uh, okay, tomorrow is the mailbag, so go to dailywire.com, subscribe, watch Another Kingdom, watch me and Knowles talk about Another Kingdom, and then uh, go to the podcast place, go to Andrew Clavin's podcast, and then hit the mailbag button. Ask your questions. I will answer all your questions, solve all your problems. The holiday season will be bliss and all that for a lousy 10 bucks a month. Where do you get a better deal than that? I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. We'll see you tomorrow. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018.